0: Bless bless us, O God, with ears to hear your truth, vision to discern your path, and feet ready to move into action, responding to your call. Inspire us as we hear your word, read and proclaimed. Amen. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any concern from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty consent, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves let each of you do not let each of you look not to your own interests but to the interests of others let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who though he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him even more highly and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that... So that at the name given to Jesus, every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now than in my absence, work on your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
1: Our gospel reading for this morning comes to us from Matthew 21, starting in verse 23. Listen for the Spirit's word to you today. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you that authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of these two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. Let's pray. God of strange authority, whose questions challenge the powers of this world. Teach us to look beyond appearance, to see your kingly rule emptying itself in cross-stretched arms. Through Jesus Christ, the only Lord, the humble servant. Amen. We are living through a crisis of authority, and it's been ongoing for many decades. If you ask the philosophers when this started, they may say with the advent of post-modernity in the late 1960s, where all metanarratives were viewed with suspicion. And metanarrative is just a fancy word for a big story that explains everything. And what post-modernity says is that the one thing we can be sure of is that we should be doubtful and suspicious of any story that claims to explain everything, whether that story is Christianity or capitalism or science. And thus began the crisis of authority in which we live. How do we know what's true if we can't agree on a story that explains reality? Now, if you ask the political scientists why we're living through a crisis of authority, they probably won't point to the philosophers. They'll point to Vietnam and Watergate where suddenly the previously trusted sources of authority, be they government or media, were no longer given the benefit of the doubt. Now, however you trace the history of how we got here, we are living in a time when people are no longer sure who to trust. Whether it's the government, media, academia, the church, school boards, libraries, even scientists are no longer regarded as trustworthy. With everyone being able to access news and information that confirms their pre-existing biases, how can we know what's true and what's propaganda? Well, in our gospel reading for today, we skipped a chapter from last week, and a lot has happened in that short space. The last two weeks, we heard Jesus tell parables that emphasize the indiscriminate, abundant grace of God that welcomes us all just as we are. Forgiveness without limit and generosity for all. These have been the messages of his parables. Well, since that time, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Everybody lays these palm branches down and starts shouting Hosanna. That's right, we skipped over Palm Sunday from last week to today. And after entering Jerusalem with much fanfare, Jesus overturns the tables in the temple. He heals the blind and the lame. He curses a fig tree, which is a symbol of the temple and its hierarchy, suggesting that this religious institution that is meant to bear fruit has instead become cursed and barren. And that brings us to today's story. When the chief priests and the elders come to Jesus and say, by what authority are you doing these things? What things? Coming into Jerusalem, overturning the temples, cursing a fig tree. By what authority are you riling up the crowds during Passover and overturning tables in the temple? Who gave you this authority? These are perfectly reasonable questions. And normally a rabbi's authority came from their teacher. I was taught by so-and-so, who was taught by so-and-so. And of course, where the chief priests got their authority from, well, that was perfectly clear. Theirs came from the temple hierarchy, which in theory was authorized by God and legitimated by Rome. But this Jesus character, he didn't go to an accredited seminary. He wasn't born into an elite priestly family, so where does his authority come from? Well, despite their reasonable appearances, these questions are intended to trap Jesus. Because if he says his authority is self-appointed, he will delegitimize himself in their eyes, admitting that he has no institutional approval. But if he says his authority is from God, they will call him a blasphemer. After all, they are the appointed spokesman for God, and I do mean spokesmen. And they didn't approve him. And so they're trying to put Jesus into a double bind. But there's one thing the Gospels make really clear, which is you never want to get into a battle of wits with Jesus, because you'll always lose. And so he responds to their question, "Hey, you know what I'll answer yours when you answer mine first. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And just like that, the double bind is reversed. <laughs> that didn't take long. See, the chief priests, they can't answer Jesus question without incriminating themselves. John the Baptist began a movement of renewal that was outside of the temple's purview where people of all kinds went to the Judean wilderness and heard John preach a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, who authorized John to do that work? Certainly wasn't the temple authority. John's ministry competed with their own. I mean, who needs a temple? Who needs sacrifices? If you can just go to a wild man in the desert and find forgiveness... See, John's authority came from outside the institution. And if the chief priests recognize that, they'll have to admit that they should have repented, that they still should repent. But they can't do that. And they also can't say that John's baptism was of human origin because the people believed he was from God. And so they respond with a very courageous political answer: we don't know. I like to imagine that they're muttering this while looking down at the ground. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> Knowing that they had just exposed themselves as fearful frauds. So having bested his opponents, Jesus isn't finished with them yet. In fact, he's just getting started. And he tells his simplest parable of all. But we dare not confuse simple with easy. Because there's nothing easy about this parable. He said, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But then his son went and did. To the other, he said the same. And that son said, oh, I will go, sir. But he didn't go. Which do you think did the will of his father? You all know the answer to the question, so did they. Anyone can see that the first son did the father's will. But then Jesus interprets this simple parable. That's where things get difficult. Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are getting into the kingdom of God ahead of you. And I'm guessing that was awfully embarrassing to the chief priests. They weren't used to being undressed publicly like this. To be told by an uneducated hick from Nazareth that you are acting like the son whose words don't match their actions, and that tax collectors and sex workers are getting into the kingdom of God ahead of you, I'm guessing they didn't like that too much. Jesus' words are harsh, but they are not cruel. He is, in fact, showing them a severe kindness. His parable is a plea to the powerful to come and join the party. The only thing that's keeping the chief priests and elders away from this party is themselves. (laughs) They're the only thing in their way. But there's something that they must do first. They must be willing to change their minds. (laughs) They must be willing to be wrong. And that's really hard. And if we're to be a part of God's kingdom, that we must be willing to change our minds and soften our hearts. The tax collectors and the prostitutes, they were willing. That's why they got into the kingdom first. See, being a part of God's kingdom, it's not about your credentials or your pedigree. It's not even about obedience. It's about your willingness to be wrong. Not just once, but a continual practice of humility wherein we admit we don't know as much as we think we do. It's about living with a tender heart. That's very difficult. And of course here's the truth in any given moment of my life I'm wrong about a whole host of things I just don't know what they are so look charitably upon me and upon yourself and upon those with whom you disagree This is is really hard for all of us. It's hard for the chief priests and elders too. But in the end, Jesus' parable is good news for them too because if the tax collectors and the sex workers are getting into the kingdom ahead of you, that implies you're still getting in. You just got to wait your turn. But make no mistake, God's kingdom has room for us all. The religious leaders wanted to know where Jesus got his authority from and his is a strange Authority. It doesn't come from institutions and genealogies. Instead, it is the strange authority of a soft, pliable heart. It is the authority of a broken heart. The reason the tax collectors and prostitutes were getting in first is because they had suffered the shame of exclusion and found themselves welcomed by Christ. And they weren't too proud to be wrong because... They knew they were loved. And a love that accepts you as you are is the only authority they needed. The strange authority of Jesus meets us when we are willing to be wrong, when we're willing to change our minds and soften our hearts. For when we do, we find ourselves welcomed with all of our warts and our mistakes to come together and feast at this table of grace. To know grace means that you are willing to be counted with the riffraff of this world because you realize it's not about being right anymore. It's about knowing you're loved. That's the only authority that matters in the end. Because when you know you're loved, this incredible thing happens, which is you're safe to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. And what a gift that is. Christ's heart was broken for you all so that you might know that you are welcomed at this table just as you are. Amen.